Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 148th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Someones and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how are you doing? Dude, uh, I couldn't be doing much better right now. I mean, as far as I had uh, re- reason we do a show. I went on another trip to uh, Indianapolis uh, for Squared Circle Expo. Got to hang with my friend Tyler, and that was and got to meet a lot of wrestlers I haven't met before. I've never met. I had never met JBL. I had a bad picture with the Steiners, so I got that picture uh, over with, and I uh, got to ha- hang with my friend Melody. Uh, she's on a. Uh, She's on the Twitter sphere at, at Blitz Enterprise, if anybody ever wants to follow her. Tyler's at T-Ball615. Uh, but, yeah, I got to hang with them and just have White Castles and then have, uh, nice. uh, you know, just got to kick it, have a few drinks with some friends that I, like Melody, that, that, this was me meeting her. I had never met her before. She's actually been on this show before. And we we was meeting, and she she was good people. She's cool people. Tyler is, you know, I always say Tyler is very much a mirror version, like of me. And it's so weird because I tell a lot of corny jokes, and I tell like this, and I'm used to just people looking at me weird, and he actually laughs at them. So it's weird because we have the same type of sense of humor. So it's kind of being it's kind of weird being someone around someone so similar to you. And but yeah, had a really good time. I get to tell the coolest story. Squared Circle Expo. It was called the Reckoning. That was the end of the weekend show. Uh, there was a match between Fuego del Sol and Shark Boy, 
And then there was against Heath Slater and Rhino, right? So I, you know, I've been following Fuego forever. I always meet him wherever he goes. And, you know, I was like, I told him my goal is to get a picture with him in all 50 states. I'm just like, every state, every new state, I'm going to get a picture with you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got a picture with him and whatever. So uh, he's in the ring with uh, Fuego, and it's like, and then they started, uh, someone started chanting, he has kids, he has kids to Heath. And I, I just had a thought, I was like, Fuego has more. Fuego has more. And I started yelling, Fuego has more. And I literally flipped the crowd from chanting from Heath to chanting <laughs> for Fuego. Tyler was right next to me. He can attest that this is 100% true. I've never done that before. I'm never a chant starter. But we started a chant that Fuego has more. And Heath Slater, you could see Heath Slater's look like, because Fuego was getting cheered louder than him. He was like, oh, this kid's actually over. It was it was just that cool moment. I was so happy for Fuego because, you know, like, and then, like, literally the rest of the match, it was pretty much Fuego got cheered. And when they finally got, he got gored and pinned, there was this, like, audible groan because Fuego lost. Aww. No, but it was it was it was great, great moment. I was hoping that he could, uh, you know, the Fire Nation. He got a little hype there, and it was like, okay, yeah. And that's the first chant in thirty years of going to wrestling shows. That's the first chant I've ever started. Shout out, shout yeah. out, and it was a good one at that. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like off the cuff. Just to reply, it was such a natural experience because you go to wrestling shows and there are people that try to start chants and all that stuff, and they get buried. It was such a just a natural response, like being a smart ass and replying because Fuego's got like four or five kids. I think he does. That. I'm not even joking when I say I think he has more kids than he eats later. So I was like, I'm not even joking when I say that. Uh, so it it was just a cool moment, Fuego. I, I was I was like really happy that Fuego got over. That was the biggest thing is that he was over, and I like the fact that I had a little dude do with it. That was kind of cool too. Yeah, man, that sounds like it was a really cool moment. And uh, yeah, shout out to our boy Fuego. We all we got nothing but love for Fuego. And uh, it's a shame he couldn't get the win against uh, Rhino and Heat. Which shout out Detroit Rhino, love you, boy. But um, yeah, regardless of the fact though. Uh, that sounds like it was a lot of fun, and uh, we want to say a quick apologies for our absence. We've been away for a little for a l- little bit, not too long, but we're l- kind of behind. We're gonna get caught up a little bit after we go through the big news of the week. But we've got dynamite to talk about this week, and then we've got rampage and uh, uh, rampage preview coming up for this weekend. So we got a lot to get to. But before we get into the entire show, we want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms. Please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex, those guys make this show possible. Please check out all the other podcasts that they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And, of course, the big news of the week for AEW is that the Forbidden Door, the proper noun, the new vernacular of pro wrestling, as Cody Rhodes once said before he went to 
somewhere else. I don't remember where he went after that. Um, the Forbidden Door is now officially realized and real and tangible, and it is now a thing. Tony Khan on Dynamite this week, he had another big announcement. Oh, ha, ha, ha. What's another big announcement? You just bought Ring of Honor. Um, so what else could you possibly do? Maybe let's bring out the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling onto Dynamite. Adam Cole interrupted and got involved a little bit, and he was the one to break the news about a new show, a new pay-per-view debuting that will be taking place at the United Center. Second time AEW's been at that place, if you forgot what happened the first time at that show uh, in the United Center. Uh, my boy debuted there. And... The Forbidden Door will be a crossover show between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling at the United Center that actually takes place the weekend before AEW makes their debut in Detroit. Fucking shit. And after Adam Cole made that announcement, Jay White comes out, talks about a little bit Bullet Club for Life stuff, and yeah, that was uh, fucking huge. So, I mean, like, this is massive. It's huge. Uh, there was rumors for a little bit of a while. I know some people going through Twitter and saying that like WWE was actually going to be having a partnership with uh, New Japan. And then this show just gets announced and it's just like, holy shit. And also, considering like from the beginning of AEW's inception back before the first Double or Nothing pay-per-view and how the reports were going around that New Japan apparently wanted nothing to do with AEW and wanted to have no partnership and talks of working together kind of fell through now that we have a crossover show with AEW and new japan like as a wrestling fan you can't not be excited for this this is going to be insane and i will say it right now if this show doesn't give me cm punk versus kenta gts versus gts i'm no longer an AEW fan and i'm no longer a new japan fan i will go watch fucking gcw for the rest of my life i don't care because if you don't book that match i'm done but floyd thoughts on the forbidden door door show finally after three years of doing this show, I started doing this show in February of 2019. One of the first few shows before they had anything to talk about, I booked on one of the first few episodes, I booked my AEW versus New Japan dream show on one of these episodes. Can't tell you which one. It was one of the super early episodes. We did a fantasy booking of AEW versus New Japan. And when I say that this is like every time there was a major announcement, it would be what I heard rumors of. And then it'd be like, oh, they're going to announce an AEW versus New Japan show. I've, I think I've done it even a few times since you've come onto the show. They're going to do an AEW versus New Japan show. That's what I want it to be. Well, I mean, that was my mind going into the announcement. Like, because I was like, again, they already bought Ring of Honor. So, like, if another big announcement has to do with, like, the changing of the wrestling foundation and the fabric of wrestling at this point in time, I was like, it's got to be at least something with New Japan. I don't know if it would be, a, like I said, I didn't know if it was going to be, like, a pay-per-view event or if it was just going to be a one-time show that was going to be on TV. I didn't know where it would even take place if it did happen. But the fact that they're going back to the United Center, because, again, 
big like fucking that that first dance show that they did. Oh, that was a move. That was a move for, power move for them to do. And they hit it up again and this time it's going to be their first collaborative show with New Japan. I mean it makes sense because now that they own Ring of Honor, which New Japan's main US collaborator and main US partner was Ring of Honor for the Supercard of Honors. So it I mean it makes sense that they would do something like that. Or I mean the G1 Supercards is what I meant to say. Uh but uh so it, it makes sense that this would be something that they would do um, now that AEW owns Ring of Honor or that Tony owns the Ring of Honor. But I'm just glad we finally got this because, again, like back when they fucking had the goddamn first like first announcement at fucking Jacksonville where Jericho showed up and debuted. And then we had the announcement of like just the whole announcement with the cheerleaders and from Jacksonville and there were fireworks out of TIAA's. Stadium, Bank Stadium, like, like I was like, please let New Japan and AEW do stuff together. And then, like, we years and years, we had teases of like Kenta showing up and some other people going through the Forbidden Door, like Ishi and all that. And now we got a full, full on show. Yes, uh, I have been begging for Okada to show up in AEW for like the birth of AEW. Uh, so I'm thinking that might actually happen now uh this is this is a dream come true for me uh if you follow me on twitter huh go ahead yeah if you follow me on twitter seven minutes after that announcement was made i had bought my plane ticket seven minutes we're yeah and here's the best part about uh, for us Sydney's graduation is a day after the tickets go on sale so guess what Sydney's asking for a present for graduation yes and she's probably going to get it, and she'll take me along because she's a nice sister. Yeah, uh, and that's so funny because it's going to be like, we'll be together Sunday. I'll fly home. And then we'll be back again together <laughs> Wednesday when you fly to Detroit. When I fly to Detroit. It is It is literally, it has made the month of June the craziest month. Uh, and that's the thing, too. We're going to, that Detroit show is going to be the aftermath of that show. Yes, we're going to get to see. What happens at the end of that show? What What is the fallout from that show? Even crazier, I'm doing like a FTR road trip in June. It's like it, it, my June is as packed as I've ever done a trip. My wife's like, are you going to be able to do it all? She, I was like, I'm going to do it or die trying. We're going to figure figure this out. Uh, but, yes, AEW versus New Japan, if you know me, you know what this meant to me. I when people someone asked me was I going and I felt I I was damn real insulted. I'm like, are you asking me, Floyd Johnson? Is he going to the AEW New Japan show that I've been talking about since the first episode of All Things Elite? Sure, sure, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be maybe yeah I'm, I'm gonna be there. And it's like not only did I pull that off, my friend Tyler, who I was just talking about. So me and his birthday are five days apart. I'm huh. June 10th. He's June 15th. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, and are you going to be able to go? I'll pay for you because that's your birthday present, blah, blah, blah. He's like, my wife's not going to let me. So I messaged, I messaged her, and I was like just directly like, hey, I, I need my boy there. And he had said, she's going to say no. And she did. She, she told me no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Cause I think I'm pretty charming and nice. I think I can talk people into stuff. <laughs> she shut me down. An hour later, he calls and says, "She said I can go." 
Dude. All right. Dude, everything's just rosy, thumbs up. I, I look, my wife looked at me. She's like, you're not going, are you? I was like, and then I explained to her what it was. And she was like, oh, yeah, you're going. She even said it. She's like, because she didn't really, you know, she's not a big wrestling fan. She she is what right. people call the casual audience. So she didn't understand what it meant. And then I told her what it meant. And she was like, oh, you're going. <laughs> I was like, she was like, yeah, it wasn't exactly. like, she's like, she knew. Everyone that is anywhere near me knows how much this means to me personally. And just what it means for professional wrestling in general. I'm not going to talk all day about this, but this is huge for professional wrestling. If you talk about the top three wrestling companies in the country, you're talking WWE one, clear number one, number one with the cannon because you go by money. Uh, AEW number two, and New Japan is the top international brand. So you literally have two of the top three biggest companies in the world putting on a dual show in the United Center. It's going to be what eighteen, twenty thousand people there. The last time that was there, like it looks like the United Center is going to be their huge event. Like. Every pay-per-view is a big event. But CM Punk, CM Punk coming back was the first huge event in AEW history. It was huge. I mean, literally, they didn't tell anybody what it was, and it sold out. And the next huge event, which is, a again, let's do the United States again, probably going to be 18,000 people. I, I'll tell you right now, it's going to sell out, I'd say, in less than an hour. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, in less than an hour. Everybody's coming in. And for the people, I do have to address one group of people out there, beautiful people out there. I know you want shows close to you. I do. I know you want shows close to you. But Chicago, Tony Khan, is, it made it clear that Chicago's a hub for AEW. It is home. It is MSG. It is for uh, WWE. I know Jacksonville had to be that because of but COVID. But he has said Chicago is their home field. They was like, they're the, that's the only, I believe, city that they've literally ran shows in three different uh, arenas. You know, Chicago's where it's at. So it, I know you'll probably get tired of going to Chicago. Me personally, I don't even live in Chicago, but it's nice and centrally located for me. And I'm never tired of going to Chicago. It, it, it's easy for me to get to. Has great food. Easy to get around. I'm a Chicago guy. I'm just like, and they're just like, well, since they, they're getting this, maybe somebody else should get All Out. All Out is going to be in the Now Arena, hopefully, in Chicago or, well, Schaumburg. And it, it just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave, let Chicago be. You know why they put it in Chicago? It is centrally located. Like New York, you only got to go to Chicago. L.A., you only got to go to Chicago. Every, Chicago is very centrally located. It's a major hub of travel. And number two, they always sell well at big events. Every big event sells out. So it's like, you're saying, so are you saying AEW should be tired of making money? Is that what you're saying? Because they seem to have a system that works for them. So I'm like, hey, don't break it. You know, but maybe I'm wrong. Might as well. Am, am I wrong? I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, I know Chicago's like, like I said, it, it's pretty convenient for me. But I don't. It is know. for me as well. I don't. Who is it not convenient for though? <laughs> it's it's so centrally located. <laughs> it's like I get that you want to see shows all over the place. I mean, like hell, WWE just announced they're doing a show in fucking Wales. So, like, they're finally gonna have a pay per view in the UK again. Like, that's massive. Uh, 
um, people want shows close by to where they are because, I mean, like, it's hard for – there's so many places that they go all the time, but, like – People want these big events. That's the thing. It's cool when they have a dynamite and stuff like that, or a rampage show up in your town or whatnot. That's always cool. Like I'm, I'm happy we finally got Detroit, um, and that took fucking almost three years. Um, but people want the big pay per views, and it's harder for AEW because they don't run as many big shows. Yeah, like I, you've I, got I, Double or Nothing, you've got Revolution, you've got All Out, you've got Full Gear. Yeah. I think that's the big thing for me, and I, and I can honestly say I do try to take other people in advance. The thing is, I know I'm never getting a big show in my state. I know that's not happening. I live in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm going to have to travel somewhere no matter what. I have been to over 30 AEW shows, and guess how many shows have I been to in my same state? Zero. So it's like, Boom. It's like really, really easy for me to be like, oh, I mean – like, oh, you're not getting a show close to where you're at. Cool. I mean, I never get a show close to where I'm at. So it's like, I don't know. I don't think about it, but I can't, you know. I mean, some people that uh, help me see that they're, you know, that other people, you know, it's different. They do get stuff in Chicago. I mean, uh, in New York and and uh, Florida. And I was like, but, yeah, it doesn't seem like people be like, people don't say Florida again. But they do say Chicago again, and I don't, uh, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will say last thing we'll put on this for, Forbidden Door show. I said the match that I want booked, like the one match that has to be booked, which is CM Punk versus Kenta. Your one match that you want booked between an AEW and a and a New Japan wrestler current uh, member, like who do you, what do you want on this show? One match that you need on this show. Ain't nobody gorilla than gorilla against FTR. That's it. Uh, G-O-D. That's the match for me. Uh, that's the match for me. Uh, that's been the match for me. I'm fucked, dude. I can't. I don't know who to cheer. Yeah, the most decorated tag team in uh, New Japan history against you know six star FTR. So I, I mean, that's the match. Can Kushida show up now that he's free? Huh? Oh yeah. Can yeah. Kushida go back to being in the Time Splitters now that he's free? He could, and I'm hoping I can get to Time Splitters versus FTR at some point. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I am very, I'm very excited about the matchups. Uh, it's so weird for me. I want people are like, who do you want Okada? I mean, Hangman. That's to me. That's it's gotta it. Be. It's got to be Hangman. They are kind of the aces of the company. I mean, if you can't get Okada versus Omega, I mean, I would love Okada versus. Oh Omega. my god! I, mean, I I I think the thing sells. Omega out. Okada five. Yeah, Omega Okada five. I think the thing sells out in fifteen minutes if it's that's the main yeah. event. Literally, but, it's over. Uh, it's like, like I would just take the first tickets I got so I could make sure I got in the building for it. Yeah, you're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna get close. You just gotta take what you can find. Yeah, so I just I mean that's the dream match, but. Uh, Kenny, I don't know it's 100%, and so that being said, uh, I would say Hangman versus Okada I would love to see, and I don't know how this is going to work. I would love for this to be a yearly June thing that happens. And, and guess what? If you do it yearly and you do it in June, you can move the bitch around. You know, move it to, you move it to different cities and sell out Madison Square Garden. Or, you know, do whatever you want to do. But I I mean, it's it's just so much possibilities for matchups. 
and this is I mean this is good for professional wrestling. Does yep. the will does the casual fan uh does the casual fan understand what this means? Probably not. Floyd in 2015 wouldn't have understood what this meant. It would have just been a show. Uh but you know AEW is is um catering to the hardcore fans. But you know what happens when you cater to your hardcore fans? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Your hardcore fans then call their friends that have kind of fell off. And we say, dude, there's this big show coming, June 26th, Sunday, June 26th. You should check it out. And then we talk about well, it. And, that, and, and, for a com- and for a company that's only like three years old, you have to do that. Because if you, if you try to focus more on casuals, you're going to lose the hardcore fans that you already got. And that's and that's that's fragile because you're so you're such an you're you're still in your infancy. Absolutely. And it's just like I said, you just you worry about your fans and your fans will go make other fans. They will make other fans with their energy. When I I wear AEW hoodies, shirts and hats pretty much everywhere I go. Right. Do you know, like the first time I wore an AEW shirt, no one said anything. Right. The 20th time, I got hit up twice. Now, literally, every time I go out in my AEW stuff, whether it's Target, Walmart, to the movies, someone says to me, like, good job watching AEW. You don't have to give me numbers to show growth. That's the growth I see on the ground level. And even if you want numbers to see growth, it's showing growth. Yeah, no, yeah. If you, uh, at WrestleNomics, uh, they are a part of... This uh, part of the voices of wrestling, uh, Brandon T. Thurston, uh, Brandon Thurston. Uh, he does uh, at Brandon Thurston on Twitter. He does uh, a great job of breaking down the economics and of wrestling. And he put out a chart. Uh, he put out a chart, and it is showing steady growth in AEW. AEW's brand is growing, and it's just like. I don't know. People that don't want to hear it don't are not going to hear it because it's not exploding and it's not everywhere. But you know, when you're a startup company, you just want steady growth. And so I, I'm really liking what this does. I I just think it's going to create a buzz through the wrestling world. You know, hardcores are going to tell casuals. Casuals are going to put it on with their wives or people that don't watch. And dude, if it if out of this pay-per-view a thousand new fans come then it's worth it i mean and i i like like i said i very much am going to be tooting the horn and putting this on all my socials so everyone knows how to order it everyone knows how to watch it every person i know has a place to watch it yes but now moving off of the forbidden door show we're going to talk Really, really quickly about some of the highlights or some of the big moments that we've missed in like the week off that we had. So I'll go through real quick. First off, that John Moxley Wheeler Yuta match that officially got Wheeler Yuta to be in the BCC in the Blackpool Combat Club. Holy shit! I mean, there you go. You have to like you're gonna like if you're gonna have a star making moment. Most of the time, you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you, and you're gonna have a crimson mask. But god damn it, you're gonna become a star for it. And Wheeler Yuta being in the bullet, the the Blackpool Combat Club is great. I think now when they eventually come around to hopefully getting a trios championship out there, 
there's one of your favorites. Like, that's not the Undisputed Elite or anything like that. Like, I mean, they're they are one of the favorites to take that. Or the House of Black. There's there's so many great trios that could go for those types of belts, dude. It's unreal. It's unreal. Yeah, um, dude, I this the match. I will honestly say, uh, a small critique. I thought it was actually too bloody. <laughs> My only critique is the fact that I thought they had one or two too many false finishes, especially at the end when he kicked out of the extra paradigm shift and then, uh, like the like the elevated paradigm shift and then they put him in the bulldog choke and he and he passed out i'm like if you're not if he's gonna just pass out then don't do the elevated uh or just do like do that and then go into that if he's already gonna kick out absolutely like that was my only absolutely uh i just uh it was just it was a lot of blood and it's just like i don't care about a casual fan it's just to me it was just like I don't think I paid attention to a lot of the other parts of the match because he was so covered in blood i was like i was like I was worried for his health. <laughs> it was a lot sure. of blood. He, he, I mean, he Dustin Rhodes that bitch. If you, he really that, did. He, he, he really, he, really did. And this was on a what a rampage. Oh my this God. was on rampage. Yeah, it's like no. I I thought it was perfect. I thought Willer Yuta, and it's funny because my first introduction to Willer Yuta on the Indies, he was always a big deal. Then he came to AEW, and I'd say. uh he was losing all the time, and I was just like, I never got to see Willer Yuta be Willer Yuta. And this match, I f- like the Brian Danielson match previously, and this match, you, this is who Willer Yuta, this is how the Willer Yuta I was introduced to. So I am very impressed with him. I love him in the group. I love the young boy transformation. It was almost like he went on an excursion without ever leaving the show because he is a completely different presentation now. Uh, this week he debuted New Gear, uh, but the whole writing BCC in, uh, in like. blood on his chest. Oh my God, Chef's Kiss! I am one of those people. I love the tiny details of wrestling that the nerds talk about because I am a nerd, and that was just fucking epic. Yes. Then over to the Dynamite from last week. Of course, we got it. My boy CM Punk had a great match with Penta Oscuro. Oh, that was a match I never thought I would ever see in my life. That was great. I just have to gush over that. Um, and then uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor World TV Championship. Great match. That finished, though. And I know people were probably waiting on us to talk about that. Um, we got to mention it, though. I mean, Floyd, do you want to get into the finish of that Dynamite in that New Orleans show that was pretty much great top to bottom? And then just don't turn out the lights. It's fine. Just have him walk from the back. Just don't do it. Yeah. You made the same mistake as the Dark Order. Yeah, just, like, have him walk from the back. He's so physically imposing. You know, have have, uh, Jonathan Gresham do the shocked look face. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this giant's coming to the ring. Same moment. Same everything. Just don't turn out the lights. And the only other thing I will say... Don't announce an overrun. Overrun yeah. and turn out the lights. Yeah. Every I was expecting Cesaro. I was expecting another name. I was maybe Kenny Omega came. No, nah, I wasn't. I really wasn't expecting that. But I was expecting something other than him. And I just like I like 
I mean, the idea of him, he brings something to AEW that they don't have. The whole true giant thing. I just, like I said, I just think he could have debuted better. I was not as hot as other people around, but it was a wet fart. It was a miss. I mean, that's just me being 100% putting down my eight. I was just stunned they did. I was just stunned. I was just stunned they made the same mistake twice. I mean, like, of course, it was the same mistake over the span of like three years because the Dark Order debut happened at the first double or nothing. And I was there live. It was bad. It didn't go over well, but they rebounded nicely. They really did the Dark Order, no, no, um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping the same thing. I'm oh, hoping no. the same His, thing happens. When he came out, uh, like a week later, he looked so dominant and so impressive, and I like it. And I know some people are like, I made the joke in my group, and I called him the Greater Kali, right? And everybody was like, Well, he's Indian and he's tall. He doesn't have to be the Great Kali. He literally used the vice grip. Yeah. He literally used Greg Collie's move. If he was a white guy from Texas and he threw out a claw, I'd say, oh, he's a Von Eric. You know, it's not just because he's Indian. It's just. No. No, there was more to it. There was levels to this shit, you know. But again, yeah. I'm glad. I wish him the best. He's, a, he's obviously an AEW project. He, he, I guess he trained somewhere else and then he trained with the Nightmare Factory. And. You know what? I'm rooting. I mean, if you train with the Nightmare Factory, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I have there is no. I, I I show no. I I'm not pretending to be unbiased. I am completely biased. If you're trained in the Nightmare Factory, I'm rooting for you. I'm buying your shit. I am <laughs> I am rooting for you at shows. But with him, so I want him to succeed. But you know, putting my AW flag down, you know, it it was a miss. I mean, yeah, and again, I, I'm I'm hoping Satin. Yeah, and I'm hoping Satin M Singh can really turn it around. Like I said, it is a, a different type of per, of wrestler that AEW doesn't have that can that can be successful. And him being paired with Samoa Joe as one of his first feuds, and then him also being like facing, like having uh, Jay Lethal by his side and Sanjay Dutt, who could be who should help as well with with uh, Jay Lethal, like. This can be good, but the way they debuted it was an absolute total. It was a total swing and a miss. Not even a foul tip. It was a swing and a miss. But the last thing, of course, that we missed uh, from the last from the week of of AEW was the AEW World Championship Texas Death Match between Hangman Page and Adam Cole on Rampage, which started early because of I believe NBA playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, great, great, great match. Anybody, anybody that's like over here being like barbed wire crown on Good Friday, stop it. His move lands you on the top of your head. So he put the thing on the top of his head. And the spot and the thing barely even went around his head. And also, if you're like, I'm so offended. It's fucking fake. Let it go. Like, oh, my God, like people like seeing the the outrage and even people I love, Eric Bischoff. I love Eric being like responding to Sean Ross Sapp. You think this is funny? Mr. Controversy creates cash. I know you ain't talking right now. Like, stop it. Stop it. The match was the match was really good. It was a good Texas death match. Like the finish of the dead eye through the table. And I liked how they like turned 
what Hangman used to win his last Texas death match, like the buckshot lariat with the barbed wire, barbed wire around his wrist. Cole saw that coming, so Hangman had to do something to change it up with the barbed wire instead of just having it around his wrist and having it around his forearm. So I thought that was clever. Like, again, chill the fuck out. If you want to criticize AEW for anything, like legitimate reasons, there is plenty for you to choose from. Every time you reach, you give the people that are all like AEW can do nothing wrong, you give them more fuel. There is a way to have genuine talks and critiques about both sides of wrestling if we're going to even call it both sides with AEW and WWE because, again, there's way more wrestling than just those two companies. There's a way to have a genuine conversation about this for you to reach like this. You're being ridiculous and you're doing nothing but hurting the conversation around wrestling and you make it more toxic. Hey, wrestling is violent. It's it's scripted violence. I mean, and the people are going to do violence in a way that, you know, you're not used to or whatever. And it's just like, if that's not for you, that's not for you. It, it, and it's fine. I that's fine. Dude, I've been watching this my whole life. And you don't understand how many of my friends, you know, I've introduced to wrestling. And it's just not for them. I don't hate them. I don't understand. It's just not for them. It's someone people don't like it because it's not real. Some people don't like it because it is violence, but it's violence. That was just violence. He was turning it up. They had a blood feud. They didn't like each other. Hangman uh, Cole's like, I'm never going to start coming at you. Hangman has to do something to make this man stop coming. I think if you wrapped barbed wire around my head and then dropped me on my head, I believe through a table, right? Yes, through a table. Through a table. I might stop coming at you in the fictional world of professional wrestling. But most importantly, it isn't real. Even if they did it as a crown of thorns. I want to go like if your worst thought was they did it as a crown of thorns. So the fuck what? I mean, do you watch Law & Order or SVU that comes on sometimes before your favorite USA program? They talk about way worse and they pretend to do way worse shit on there than pretend fighting. Calm down. Yeah, and also um, I've seen crucifixions on wrestling as well. Not just WWE. Let's never forget uh, that ECW crucifixion. Yeah, That shit was fucked. It almost... We almost never got Kurt Angle wrestling because of an ECW crucifixion. And then, of course, lest we forget, Shawn Michaels tag teaming with God himself. Yes, yes, wearing all Hell, ones. let's not even mention CM Punk and his Charles Manson-like false God gimmick that he had with the SES. Dude. He was getting all kinds of, like, Southern Baptists all fucking, like, out of whack. We can do this all day. Uh, we could do yeah. this all day with wrestling. And honestly, that wouldn't even crack the top 50 worst things that I've seen in wrestling play out. Not even yeah. the top. Probably not the top 100, but I know I can do 50 off the top of my head. Uh, we don't got time for that shit, but I can definitely do 50 off the top of my head. I grew up, <laughs> I grew up, I grew up in the Mid-South area. Way worse. The Southern... Like, like having matches for women, you know, 
<laughs> like for the rights to women. I could do this all day. This is kind of what professional wrestling is. I ain't dig it. I don't is. dig it. It sucks. Whatever. Yeah, but just stop reaching. Like, if you want to make criticisms, make criticisms. Stop reaching for things that aren't there. That's all I got to say. But we've we've talked about stuff that has already happened. Let's talk about the more recent stuff. Dynamite from this Wednesday that just happened a couple days ago, taking place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We opened up the show once again with my boy CM Punk continuing to build up wins on his record, trying to make himself the number one contender for the AEW World Championship. And he faced off against the natural Dustin Rhodes. And my God... I cannot believe I'm saying this, but Dustin is so good and so beloved. They got people to boo CM Punk. Like, Dustin is such a genuine babyface. Such a genuine, like, just great soul, great wrestler, like, a legend in this industry that they, he... Just by selling and just by taking the damage that Punk was dishing to his left leg, got the fans to boo CM Punk. Like, you watch that match back. They were booing him. I I heard boos because I pay attention to stuff like that. If people boo CM Punk, there better be a good reason. And you know what? Dustin honestly gave them a good reason. This was a another classic sense of, like, like selling. Like, Punk was selling the arm and then Dustin was selling the leg. These guys moved a very slow match and very technical, very focused in on, like le- like I said, focusing on a body part and really working it and really just grinding that opponent down so they can't do what they're normally able to do. And it got multiple This Is Awesome chants. There weren't, like, crazy amounts of high spots or flippy shit or anything like that. This proves that, like... AEW fans enjoy also seeing like technical storytelling wrestling. And yeah, there wasn't a story necessary for this, but like Dustin's been on this last run and he's really been trying to get all these dream matches and all these final goes to show that he can still do this better than anybody else. And I got nothing but respect for Dustin. Dustin was outstanding in this match. Uh, Punk was great as always. Um, I was glad that they like the great counter between uh, Dustin getting rolled up after failing to uh, failing to hold on to the GTS because of his arm and was able to still make the counter for the cradle to get the pin was great. Their little the, the way they embraced afterwards like was really really a nice touch. And then for the first time, AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page and CM Punk faced off and had a stare down, and I shit myself. Oh. Oh, oh, I want it. Let it be at double or nothing, please. Please. I need that. I need that. I've gushed enough. Floyd, thoughts on this opening match with Punk and Dustin? Okay, so the year of 2022 is going to be, you're going to have to have a subtitle as, in AEW, the love letter to the Hart Hart family. I mean, the Owen Hart Foundation in this match, what did Brett come out in? What, I mean, uh, what did uh, Punk come out in? Pink and black. He came out in black and pink gear. He came out in black and pink gear. Dak, Dax called it out pretty immediately. They had the match, and if you go look, they literally did spots from when Brett wrestled Goldust. 
somebody so didn't clipped where they took spots where they were literal CM Punk doing Bret Hart spots in the match that he did with the same guy Goldust. Go and Dustin Rhodes is still on a uh, he's he's a really he's a phenomenal professional wrestler. They called him the Something. natural. I mean, like people not related to Dusty, like he had, he was like the most natural, moving, athletic wrestler they had ever seen at that age, and he's fifty, and it's still there. And the match was kind of clunky and stuff, but it was very, to me, very much eighties old school professional wrestling. I know, yes, in twenty in two thousand twenty, <laughs> two thousand ten, everything's supposed to look and smooth, Chris. But this is what I was used to professional wrestling looking like. Not everything looked clean. Not everything looked pretty. It looked like a fight as much as professional wrestling could look like a fight. And then they did the Brett uh, Davy Boy Smith uh, finish. It was beautiful. Yes. It was a beautiful, well-told <laughs> match. And whenever somebody's like, this match has no stakes, this match blah, blah, blah. One guy wants to beat the other guy. It's the story of every wrestling match. You can add whatever you want to. Hey, you slept with my wife. Hey, you work for me and don't want to work there anymore. You can put a title on the line. But every wrestling match has the story that guy A wants to beat guy B. Or excuse me for my people out there. Person A wants to be person B. That's the story of professional wrestling. So when you say there's no story, Dustin wanted to be Punk. Punk wanted to be Dustin. That's the story. But and again, Dustin, Punk has been doing. Punk has been doing the. I'm going for a championship. I'm ranking up to become a number one contender for the championship. He's motioned at his waist every single match that he's wrestled since he beat MJF. Dustin did a beautiful promo on Twitter and said how this was a dream match of his. And it's just like, that sold me on it. But I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm like, but the fact is, guy A wants to be guy B. It's, it, person A wants to be person B. That is wrestling. This was a beautifully told story. With Even though I knew who was going to win, they had me a couple times on the false finishes. Oh, yeah. I expected CM Punk to take a crossroads eventually in AEW. I did not expect it to be from Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect it to be from Dustin Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great match. Uh, you know, probably the closest thing I'm probably going to ever get to Punk versus Cody. Because... Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that shame we could have shame we couldn't have gotten it at least before you left. Yeah, but you know, it yeah. is what it is. Hey, do you know what? I think I you know as much as I wanted it, this match was really, really, really special. It really was. It's like one of those moments where I just want to tell him, like, dude, you you took me back. I occasionally have those moments. Well, you took me back to 1988, uh, Saturday night, uh, watching. Uh, a pay, uh, watching a match. Uh, this is probably more of like a Clash of the Champions main event. And, you know, yeah. back then in the title matches, no one ever won with their finisher. That just didn't happen. You just you rolled somebody up. And the roll-up was perfect. It was beautiful. I The match was great. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I'm going to stop now talking about that. Now. 
<laughs> yeah. Then we had backstage footage of Wardlow coming into the arena, and um, he had gotten a match uh, booked by MJF. So he's like, you know what? You are going to actually wrestle, and you're going to wrestle the Butcher. Um, however, Mark Sterling was there to greet him with AEW security and said he had to be handcuffed and escorted to his dressing room until it was time for his match. And the moment his match was over, he would be escorted out of the, the building, which Sam, Bubba, my boy, security Sam, why the fuck are you going along with this? Sam has. I understand you're head of AEW security, but like, why are you going along with this? Sam has a job to do. He is a professional. He does what he is paid to do, and he. But he has there. a conscience. He's a good man. I know he is. He's he, better than this. He has a good man. Hey, Sam did not make Wardlow sign the contract. Sam is just enforcing the rules, sir. That's all he's doing, and it's it's so funny. It's so cool. I mean, I like to see him on TV. Legit. Anytime I see him, I smile. Yeah, it's just kind of cool to see him on TV. Uh, yeah, he's he's a dude. I told him like I told him at the Ring of Honor thing, and I might have said this week before. I told him I always I feel safe when I know you're here because I know you got this shit unlocked. <laughs> Nobody nobody's getting anywhere when Sam is in the building, so I know he has it. Not even close. Yeah, so it's just like yeah. So so yeah yeah he would he would take Wardlow down for real. <laughs> it came down to He it. probably, yeah, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Yeah, he would take Wardlow down. Love Wardlow, but yeah. No, but yeah. you look at them, you like, you kind of forget how big Sam is. He's he stood, huge. He stood next to Wardlow, and it's like, fuck, you're a big dude. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's big. <laughs> like, Wardlow's huge, but Sam's right there. <laughs> He's like right there. It's like just in case you thought uh, security be playing around. There's some big no. boys on the security group. You know, just know that. No, but uh, yeah, that was that was, that was kind of cool. I just I just said, Wardlow. The more things that come out of this contract, I I would say Wardlow, you were either the dumbest man on the planet or you were poorer than you were you were Poe. You couldn't afford the O, o and the R because only somebody that broke, <laughs> the only somebody that broke would sign a contract this dumb. This is the worst contract I've ever heard. You're basically much. a slave. You're a paid slave. <laughs> like yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know how this works. He controls everything you do. It sounds like you can't shit unless CM, uh, unless uh, MJF gives you permission. It's like I get to book your matches. I get to make the stipulations. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> like, and TK, yeah. why would you let this happen in your company? <laughs> it's like, uh. Yeah. Is there going to be a little bit of like, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, no. But uh, no, it's, it's comical because this is professional wrestling. Like, right. this couldn't happen in real life. No one would sign a contract that's bad. But in professional wrestling world, you do. And, you know, and he has to find a way out of it. And you know, you know, most people find a way out of it in courts, but in professional wrestling, no, you find a way out of it in the ring, and that's what it's leading to. And this match was some big, meaty men bumping meat. I, I loved it. I would have liked yeah. it. I would have liked it to be about five minutes longer, personally. Just, just because I just fair loved enough. It. Yeah, I just no. It's just like it's just, and that's a personal preference. If someone and that's for the match with Butcher, yeah, yeah that's the match so with yeah, Butcher that actually yeah, happened. Yeah, if somebody uh, said, "Hey, this match was perfect," I wouldn't argue. I would have liked just just a little because they were physical, 
but I felt like the physicality could have got turned up like seven percent. Not like not even ten percent, like seven percent turned up to physicality. I, I think they've been doing a good job over the last month presenting the butcher as a threat. And this match was like he's not really a threat. You know what I mean? And I would have liked to see him be more of a threat now. But I thought it was I thought it was a really good match. The symphony, the Powerbomb Symphony is one of the most over, if not most over, things in AEW right now. It really is. Uh, trio's match between the Blackpool Combat Club in full against Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, and Brock Anderson with Arn Anderson at their side. Um, yeah, this was just a continuation of the Blackpool Combat Club wreaking havoc in any trio's match that you put them in. Like, listen, Wheeler Yuta... I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Dante Martin, Lee Moriarty, and Brock Anderson all are very good. They are not a trios team. And uh, Dante is good in a tag team situation, but he didn't even have his own tag team partner in there. He had Lee in there, which he was familiar with, but Brock Anderson and Dante have never tagged together, and Brock hasn't wrestled in a very long time. Um, so this was a pretty much a, a route for the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, and it was cool just seeing them all together and just wreaking havoc. And again, these guys are all over as hell. So this was a nice little filler match, I think. This is the closest. I like. I won't call this a squash match. This was a squish match. Because they, squish. yeah. The reason I say that is because, I mean, it was clear who was going to win. They did dominate the most mat. The most of the match, but they did everything they could to make the other three look as good as possible. You know, they all got their shine. Yeah, Dante uh, and, getting a bunch of uh, high spots. Yeah, Moriarty looking uh, explosive like, you know, he could end up being the next member of the Blackpool Combat Club. And then Brock is Brock. I, I, Brock's the young boy right now. If it's like, yes, no, I want to tell everybody. It's like when they, everybody's like looking at Brock and they're like, uh, he's not what I think he is. He's if you watch New Japan, he's like you're your more. He's like the dudes that were all black. He's not supposed to be anything yet. He is learning by experience by getting beat up because I don't think he knows who Brock Anderson is yet. I really don't. I mean, no. I, I don't think as far as in his performance, I don't think he knows who Brock Anderson is. I think he'll get there and I think he'll be great in three to five years. But that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about three to five years. He is a guy that wrestled his first match. In uh, you know, on dynamite with Cody in his corner, this guy's not like a seasoned veteran, and that was the one thing that I can say about old school wrestling you were allowed to not be great, or as I say, you were allowed to suck, but you were sucking in front of 20 people that maybe never see you again. And then by the time you got presented to the world, you were good, you know. And Brock doesn't suck, he's actually pretty decent, but he's no, he's not where he's gonna be yet, and I. He's got the world against him. And I, because the only reason I say this is because I was watching with someone and they basically said, you know, he was clearly the weakest person in this match. And I'm like, he's supposed to be. I mean, the dude's been wrestling a year. <laughs> it's like, everybody else in there has more experience than him. And, you know, and, you know, he's going to develop who he is. But I did, I did love the match. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, when they were all three in the ring hitting the elbows and then they finished them and then Mox finished the match, I thought that was, thought that was great. William Regal is a perfect – Lord Regal is a perfect catalyst for the violence that they're dishing out. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we had after this uh, the Undisputed Elite in the back – backstage area 
Young Bucks don't seem like they in this, and they're not even dressed up flamboyantly or anything like that. Um, so it looks like maybe we might be seeing a possible flip to them being babyface. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I think, but basically, I, I, I think what's the story is is that their spirit's broken because they talked because they've this, lost to the young yeah, because they lost to FTR yeah, again. Yeah, like they talked all that shit about they're the best tag team, they're the second, and then they lost. And it's like, oh, we don't lose when we try, and we try, <laughs> and we lost. How does that work? And yeah, like, and I mean, like, yeah, th- it, this is their company. Again, AEW in their three years have been perfect. And like, there's some things that they are not great at, but they are perfect at telling the loss of confidence storylines. Perfect yeah. at it. And that's what it looks like it is, is that the Bucks, the, you know, th- they've lost their confidence to the point where they've lost their color. They weren't, they weren't mean to Brandon anymore. They just. Yeah, no, they didn't even have the energy to do it. They call Yeah, it's like. And it's like Red Dragon. I love how Red Dragon no sold the fact that they lost. We lost. <laughs> I love wait. I, I I don't remember losing. <laughs> yeah, like wait, we lost. Yeah, so no, it's it's like they're not on the same page right now. And that interview perfectly scripted that. And I just I just is like the Young Bucks are like every week. I think I'm like I can't be more of a fan. And then they do something like this where it's like. Super subtle. They've been over the top, and, and they was like super subtle. But they said so much in their actions, the look on their face, the clothes that they were wearing. They told a story with that. So I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, and then of course after this is when we had the announcement of the Forbidden Door, which we've already covered. Um, then Butcher and Blade, which we just Butcher versus Wardlow, which we covered as well. Um, we had an Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament qualifying match between Jungle Boy, one half of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, and Kyle O'Reilly. And this was a pretty solid match, I would think. I think these guys uh, had some good moments in this match. Um, felt a little, maybe a little touch slower than I uh, would have expect for, expected from these two, but it wasn't uh, like sloppy or anything like that. They still did some great chain wrestling stuff in this, and... Um, Actually, what ended up happening was Kyle got a superplex on a Jungle Boy and then proceeded to hit a modified Brain Buster on it, then hit a dr- like a jumping knee from the top rope, and he pins Jungle Boy, getting om- I guess almost I would I would say the upset win, and he's qualified for the uh, Owen Hart Foundation uh, Men's Tournament. We got a Canadian in the mix. There you go, Kyle. Go nuts. Yeah, Go nuts. And, um, no, no, as far as AEW storytelling, this was a huge upset. Jungle Boy doesn't get pinned. Like, yeah. Ever. And <laughs> he and then Christian came down and Jungle Boy act, like was like apologizing to Christian for for taking the loss. Yeah, it was uh it was one of those things. He, he, I mean, to me it reminded me of a G1. Uh for if you don't yeah. you're not familiar with the G1, sometimes in the G1 you know, everyone has to lose. So sometimes you get unexpected losses that yeah. the other person is just better. That's that's the good thing about these types of tournaments yeah, is that yeah. it, it makes it so much more easy to book upset losses. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly was just better than Jungle Boy last night. That's it. The next time they wrestle, Jungle Boy could win pretty easily. But on this night, on April 20th, uh, on April 20th uh, in uh, <coughs> Phil, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Kyle O'Reilly was better that night. And, you know, Kyle O'Reilly moves on. And I love that about the sudden death tournaments. 
it was one of the things that I fell in love with with New Japan. It was like you're sitting there picking your G1 bracket, filling it out, saying who's going to win each night, trying to calculate your points, and then Yano beats Moxley. Yeah, and you're like, sorry, what? Say, say what? Yeah, oh yeah, Moxley's only lost one time, and it was to Yano. Yeah, it was uh, literally a St. Mary situation. It was like, oh, uh, okay. You know, and it's just like, and that's what I love about those tournaments. So it looks like they're setting, to, last night to me, set the standard. Because if you look at every Owen Hart qualification match up to this point, the guy that you thought was going to win won. The person you thought was going to win won. Not last night. No. I knew Jungle Boy was winning, and then he lost. And now you have a storyline for next year that he can be like. If these two I face failed. off again. Yeah. Like, or, or if he just wants to get in the tournament. I failed to get in the tournament last year. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get in the tournament next year. It, 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 builds, it builds upon itself. And he's a tag team champion. He probably didn't need to be in the tournament. But I, yeah, that, exactly. that is that is neither here nor there. Uh, they're building a nice little roster for this tournament. And I love to see what it's going to be and how it's going to be represented. Yeah. We then had a backstage interview with MJF and Sean Spears after Wardlow got the win. And uh, he continued to say about how he's a snake, which, I mean, like, bro – Quit being a punk, Stan, at this point. You lost already. But he decided to uh, make a deal with Mr. Jake Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, paid him in some good money. And then uh, all of a sudden, Murderhawk monster Lance Archer comes out and just proceeds like, I don't want money. I just want to fight. Everybody dies. So now Wardlow's got to deal with Lance Archer. That'll be a good match. Uh, dude, uh... If this is what we're gonna get up to. <laughs> this is what we're gonna get up to. Uh, double or nothing. Warlow just fighting bigger and bigger and scarier people. Sign me up. Yeah. Oh my god. I was like, I was like, so it feels like or Archer should be like a fourth week guy. I feel like you almost elevated too fast. You went from a <laughs> little bit butcher to Archer, and it's like. Maybe Archer should have been week three, but good Lord, congratulations to the people in Philadelphia. You get to see this just impressive, two impressively large men beat the shit out of each other next week. Yeah. And then we had the dynamite debut of Hook. Yes. Finally. He faced off against Anthony Henry, made very much quick work of him. Dan Housen, however, showed up out of nowhere trying to curse Hook again. Didn't work. He got the red rum uh, locked in and got the win. Dan Housen was furious about, like, actually furious that, like, he's tried cursing him over and over and over again, and it's just not, nothing's happening. It's not working. So he said, if you don't want to be cursed by Dan Housen, you will fight Dan Housen. And this was one of the biggest pops of the night. Oh, my God. Everybody uh, was Hook, wondering when he was going to wrestle. Yeah. And he's going to wrestle, and he wants to wrestle Hook. Woo! Hook pretty much like just shoulder blocked him out of the way, walked out, no respect to Dan Housen, and uh, oh my god. Yeah, like, he, barely, yes. he barely acknowledged him. Other than- he fucking, yeah, he, like, it was like one of the first few times I've actually seen this kid smile. Yeah, he just, he just he, bumped. And- he fucking smirked at him and was just like, <laughs> and then just walked out. 
I am uh I'm a big fan of uh the Dane Housen character. I, I I honestly they're presenting him exactly like I thought they should present him. He is very much a comedic, hilarious character. This whole segment was I I don't know if you would call it subtle comedy, but it was just like it was like, oh, Danhausen, the guy that has never fought anyone, wants to fight the in- pretty much unstoppable Hook, who literally throws men twice his size around. So, yeah, good luck with that, brother. Because it, it seemed like he realized he made a mistake, like, right after he did it. It was like, he, that was, it was just so well done. I just think he's so good. It's just like comedic timing one-on-one there. Yeah. And then we move on. We had a backstage interview with Scorpio Sky and uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian. It was a backstage interview with Frankie, I believe. And then Scorpio comes out and we got a small little SCU uh, uh, reunion. And Scorpio says, listen, I need a favor. You've done so much for me in my career. You've really you you helped me so much when we got together with SCU. Like you really elevated me. And he said, I know you want the TNT championship. I need my rematch, and I need to go out there and challenge for it. And I promise you, when I win it back, because Frankie was talking about how he wanted to go after the TNT title, he said, once I win it back, uh, Frankie, you will be the first person I defended at. against." And, and Frankie kind of takes a little pause and says, Scorp, I've always had your back. I always will. And they shake hands, and then they go off. And then this is when we move into the TNT champion, the three-time, only three-time TNT champion, Sammy Guevara oh, out in the oh, ring pause. with Ty Conti. Pause, yes, sir. the second three times TNT champion, sir. I don't know who the first is. Uh, he's main events on Monday nights now. I don't know what that is. Cody, Cody Rhodes. Okay, I, that was, I. I don't know. Just I blanked. Sorry, he, he my beat pause. Lance Archer. He beat Brody Lee, and he beat Sammy Guevara, three-time champion. Again, I just—it's not. It wasn't in my head. I apologize. I, I got you, boo. That's what I'm All right. here for. That's what I I'm wasn't in my head. Wasn't in my head. I don't. I just. The first. Three it, time it, champion, you sure it wasn't Dustin? The first three-time champion. It wasn't it, Dustin, huh? It wasn't Dustin, right? And I don't. Dustin's been on TV like three times in the last two years. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All Cody right. is Cody's won more belts than Dustin's been on Dynamite. You know what I mean? No, oh, don't, no disrespect. No disrespect. To, <laughs> no disrespect to Dustin. Oh, he's an amazing wrestler, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying he is not right. the first. Oh, listen. <laughs> he's not even I the know. first. I'm, 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 I am he, busting your balls so he's much. He's not even the first to do the gimmick that he's doing right now. Yes, <laughs> I, but I am busting your balls. No, I, know. I knew you did it on purpose. I heard the tone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sammy Guevara, three-time TNT champion. Says he's at the top of the world where he belongs. TNT champion for the third time, and with Tay Conti, the love of his life. Oh, ooh. and he says, as far as he th- thank the people who stuck with him, thank the people that stay with him and uh, followed him all his career. He said, as for the rest of you, I hear you. Uh, y'all turn your backs on us the first chance you got because why? My girlfriend's hotter than yours. And uh, at this point, you've only got one option, uh, be mad. And then Scorpio, Ethan Page, and Dan Lambert come out. And Sky's talk about, like, you want to say screw you to all the fans that supported you? It's not screw us, Sammy. It's screw you. Fucking Ethan Page went off 
got so like man that man just fucking snapped and I, I, um i you know and i've said this too many times i think people sleep on how good Ethan Page is. he's really he, good he is really fucking amazing at wrestling uh i it was uh at squared circle uh i got to meet him for the first time and we got to talk about my toy collection and you know how i inspired that but i just like Dude, you're just an amazing wrestler. He's just an amazing wrestler. And it's just like, when he was in Impact, I was like, why is he the world champion? He's clearly the most talented person here. No disrespect to anyone there. But as far as in-ring work, mic skills, just getting into character and cutting promos, I don't think there's a lot of people as good as Ethan Page. And I think it might be like his humility that keeps him from maybe getting booked as strong as he could because this dude is amazing. And I just thought I've seen like two promos from him. The one after, you know, he got his eye busted open and I was just like, why are you not in a top spot? You are really amazing at this. And I thought this was great. And this was clearly a double turn. You know what I mean? Like if you, you know, yeah. Last week, you know, and into this week, Sammy's getting booed. Dan Lambert, the 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 rich white conservative, is getting cheered. What? Yeah. So what? fucking weird. <laughs> so weird. Which I mean, like he kind of got a couple good pops when he was throwing shots at Brandy near the end, but like, still, it's like what? And like, yeah, Lambert literally said, my grandfather said, youth is wasted on the young. You are the perfect example of that, Sammy. And you've got, you get to make one more chance tonight, young man. Give Sky his rematch or I send Paige and Sky into the ring. And we'll give you a pounding that your girlfriend wishes that she could get. And I'm just like, okay. Um, and Sammy was like, all right. We'll get we'll do that if we get a mixed tag match like we want. And Lambert's like, all right, done. And then Sammy goes, next week, me and Sky in a ladder match. That ending of that segment was so rushed that I was like completely like, huh, okay, we got two matches booked. Where when when the fuck are these things happening in what shows? Like, huh? Like yeah, it was yeah. rushed. And I was just like, fucking Sammy, you gotta come on, man. Like, you gotta be like, you gotta know when to hit something like that. You're selling a match. For people to tune in the week at, in the next week, you gotta sell that and make sure you give it the weight and the importance and like focus on it so people know. It was just like, ah, uh, I was like, man, like that was like I was just so thrown off and I was just like so confused and I, I genuinely, oh, I don't want to say bad things because I, I I I like Sammy and I like Ty. I think they're good people, but like I think he was too busy trying to stick his tongue down like Ty's throat and before he even knew what the fuck his promo was supposed. Supposed to be. Oh, did I lose you, man? No, I was I was listening to you, and I'm like, uh, I can't. I was just. I can't disagree. I want to. I can't. Because I was just. I was. I mean, like, it's it's ve- that's probably the most out of pocket thing I've said. But dude, he like they kiss like what four times in like two minutes, like for the love of God, man, you're there to sell a match, two matches, in fact. We got that mixed tag match that you say you so want, 
And we don't and like you didn't even specify who was in the mixed tag match on their end. We know that it's Paige Van Zant, but you didn't even specify it for the people that didn't know. Like that missed that forgot the fact that like, oh yeah, Paige Van Zant and Ty had the little interactions. You didn't even specify that. And I'm like, and then you're like, ladder match next week. And I'm like, huh? Like, fucking hell, man. You gotta make sure you give that time. And I think you weren't fucking focused because like you were like how quickly can I get out of here into a hotel room? <laughs> and yeah, so I think something else in the show might have went long and he thought he had a few more minutes. And, Maybe. And I think they played the music to like, hey, you're done. And then he was able to throw those last few words. Uh, he's the fake. I mean, he's the voice of his this act. And for a long time, he re- you know, Jericho was the voice. You know, and it's it's going to be a work in progress. I think Sammy and Ty are a money heel act. I do. I yes. think they are a money heel act. Oh, yeah. And it's just, and it's not because of, uh, now, it's, it's not because of anything, you know, they really did as far as wrestling. It's honestly, you know, it's because it's of the engagement and then being on public TV and then moving on with the next chick. People hate him for it, you know. I don't know why life happens, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't like, I hold no ill will to them, but it's just people don't like them because of that. And yeah. And Ty's kind of catching it. Cause Ty, before they were together, she was super over the face. Remember yeah, when no, she, wrestled, she, uh, Jade? she was, she was, she was one of their most improved wrestlers. Yeah. You remember when she wrestled Jade? How, much everybody wanted her to win that match and it's just like now they're booing her and it's just like god people suck hey man uh, 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 wrestling uh, fans are very uh reactionary yeah uh no so uh i met ty at uh uh i got to meet ty again we had to see ty again at uh a square circle she actually actually got her to sign my uh figure be mad Uh, yeah i saw that yeah. yeah i thought that was I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Uh, I, I like it that that's their thing, and I think they can go further into it. I think we are just getting the you know the th- this is the tip of the iceberg on how douchey they're gonna be. So if you think they're douchey now, they're gonna turn it up. They they yeah. are. They're people. Oh, they're not gonna. They're gonna be and, nonstop. No, and it's it's beautiful. I love it. I told them. I told her, I was like, what y'all doing is brilliant. You asked people to leave you alone. They didn't. Cool. Fine. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's it's great. Like I said, if that if that's what if that's what they were moving in, like I said the first time when I saw them like consistently on TV, where I was like, if you're moving into trying to do this, this is gonna be great. But I was like to be so hateable that you make Dan Lambert the most hateable man on the planet. A face knows that that means you did your job exceptionally well. Damn straight, yeah. <laughs> we then we then had a, a Owen Hart Women's uh, Foundation Owen Hart Foundation Women's Tournament qualifying match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the hometown girl of Britsburg, facing off against Danielle Carmella. Yeah, and uh, I, I... like the match, the match itself was a match. Fucking Pat Freermuth, tight end of the Steelers, and Najee Harris, the star 
a rookie running back of the Steelers showing up at ringside with Britt Baker. Fucking Najee was going. He was having a ball. Oh my god. Najee was losing his mind. I when I saw I was like, holy shit, it's Najee Harris. I had him on my fantasy team. Yeah, and Pratt Fryermost, I was like, this is pretty cool. And they were waving the they were waving the yellow flag and then she did she did the uh when she did the um what is it called? The lockjaw? What the, what's the Yeah, it's the lockjaw. Yeah, they called did that and she had the Pittsburgh wide receiver glove on. That was great. That was a great touch. Uh, and just like, dude, if the next time Britt wins the title, it has to be in Pittsburgh. It I mean, be, yeah. It, it just can't be anywhere else. Man, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's going to be winning it as a face because the promo she cut on Jade afterwards felt real faceish. Yeah, I mean a little bit. I mean she was also she she was she was struggling for breath. Honestly, she seemed like she she uh, she got, got blown a, up, <laughs> got a little blown up. Yeah, I was gonna say it was just. Uh, but like regardless, she so like a better word. Yeah, it's like yeah, she just got blown up. That's all it was. But yeah. uh, fans are still over the moon for her. And I was like, I was hoping they left not the mic on when Najee got handed it. He's like, I got the mic now. And I was just like, leave that motherfucking thing on. I want to see what the hell this kid says. No, it's so funny because um, even when they put the bell on Thunder, and I was like, you know, give, you know, I'm all about Thunder Rosa. You, you know how much I love Thunder Rosa. I was like, same. I was like, Bridge sales too hot to lose the belt right now, and that's that. Just, it's I still feel that way. She's the biggest star in the company right now, and it's just. She I mean, said it. She said the women's division in this company is a disaster without her. And it's. I can't say it's a disaster, but I can't say she's lying. <laughs> she, she's the bitch, the baddest bitch on the block, as she says. That is a term she used, not me. I don't call women that. Just that <laughs> no, but uh, no, yeah, that's what she is, and she proves it. And you know, you look at the pop last night. It was like it was literally Britain and everybody else when it comes to pops. It was. She she was the yeah. star of the show, you know. It was like, I'm like, punk was pretty loud on that initial pop, but I think it it literally goes it goes Brit then Dan Housen announcing a match. Oh yes, yes, that was pretty awesome. I heard the crowd went uh, I think uh, I heard the crowd went a little crazy for uh. Uh, the announcement of another match that we'll talk about later, but uh, yeah, and then they also went nuts for the new Japan announcement too. That was the other thing too, of oh course. My God. Yeah, I would have. I would have went pretty, pretty, pretty crazy for that one. It was legitimately, legitimately. Um, and then we get to the main, but we'll get to the main event though, real quick. Coffin match: Darby Allen versus Andrade El Idolo. Um, the match uh, opened up with uh, Mark Quinn jumping in and uh, Blade coming in, and uh, the Andrade family office really started to use the numbers game on this un- on this notice qualification match. Um, Darby thrown into the barricade and knocked into the crowd, and uh, a cra- uh, uh, Mark Quinn proceeded to rip up a sign uh, that a fan was holding. That fan had a Sting mask on. Sting mask comes off. Oh my God, it's Sting with a baseball cap backwards on his head too. And I was just like, they did it. They gave us a new 2022 edition of the mask Sting meme. I was like, yes, yes. relive that meme because that is the best. 
That is the best running joke with Sting. Him taking off a mask and it's just his face paint underneath it. So fucking funny. It is like one of my favorite things in wrestling because it's so stupid and I love it so much. And Sting beats the hell out of all the members of the Hardy family. I mean the 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 Andrade family office. They're fighting in the crowd. Um, they tried to uh, uh, mess up Darby, but then Andrade was uh, able to. Uh, Andrade and them were knocked back by Sting. Sting once again decides I'm gonna jump off of another fucking balcony again, and he cross bodies onto everybody. Jesus Christ, man, Sting's going nuts in AEW. He's going nuts. Like, his run that he's having in AEW, unreal. Unreal how well he's done in AEW. Um, The match itself, I think, was a little bit hindered, I think, probably by time. I know I heard one point where I could even hear the referee, like, letting them know how much time they had, especially towards the end, where I think they had, like, 90 seconds left. Um, The the coffin itself had thumbtacks placed on the back of it. Um... That was that was a cool little little touch, um, and listen, uh, Andrade's great. He's really great, and I know he got he got a win over Darby like two weeks ago on Dynamite, and that was uh, the thing that built towards this match. And then Darby was able to get the win. It's a coffin match. He's not losing a coffin match. It's his match. Jose even tried to come down to save everybody, and um, Darby slammed him on the thumbtacks lid. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good main event. Uh, Sting doing another dive. God fucking damn, every time he does it, it's just like, what the fuck, man? It's crazy that he's doing this shit at his age right now. Um, but this was a solid closer, I think, for Dynamite. Controversial opinion. Sting's outshining Darby. At, the, at this point, here's the thing. Before, I would I would argue you before, Darby and Sting, Like I think Darby had a really great uh, stature of like, still being at the same level of staying and above i think earlier on when they were together i think like um like you know of course in the uh in their tag matches and when sting would walk out and then darby just throws himself like like from the crowd from the from the walk from the rampway up into somebody i think there was a point where like i think where darby was either at sting's level or above in this match Sting outshined him in this match. I would say that still, like, they're even or maybe a slight edge to Darby. But in this match, I agree with you. Sting outshined Darby. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, that's not good. (laughs) Sting is there to put the rub on Darby, not vice versa. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I don't know. It just felt like, like, this match is over and Darby did some crazy shit and Andrade did some crazy shit. Only thing people were talking about was Sting jumping off the thing. Yeah, and and listen again. I think for one match, for because I th- again I th- I still think for this it was one match that uh, people were talking about Sting more, and it's because we got the Sting meme with him taking the mask off and it's Sting again, uh, and then we had him diving like literally Sting had the best spots in this match because even the spots with Jose being dropped on the on the on the thumbtacks, it, it could have been it could have been landed better. Um, the best spots in this match were done by Sting. Like that's. That's and listen, I'm I'm not ter- I'm not all messed like I've been out of shape if Sting had more better spots than Darby did in this one match because like I said, I still believe that throughout their entire pairing it's been even with a slight edge to Darby. That's my opinion. Um, and then there was the weird part where the Hardys came out just to say good job, which I know Darby has a huge respect and love for the Hardy Boys, um, but it was just it was it was funny how they just literally came out just to like. Uh, 
do the delete chant and then applaud. I thought that was quite funny. It, they didn't need to have the Hardys. I know, I know Darby likes the Hardys. I know. You didn't need to. They could have at least came in the ring and like pat him in the had him on the back or something. Him them just standing up the ramp and doing the delete motion was kind of odd. I think we're gonna get the Hardys versus Darby and Sting. That would still be fucking awesome. Yes, I think I think I think that's what we're ultimately leading to. I think that's what it was kind of like. Hey, we respect you, but uh, you can get these hands. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm looking forward to that fight. I just I want to see because Darby's gonna of course try to out crazy Jeff and Jeff's gonna. You know, try to match Darby's craziness, and then Sting's gonna try to do something, and yeah, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a lot of gifts coming out of that match when it happens. Legitimately, and like I said, this one match Sting absolutely outshined Darby, and like for one match, I'm okay with it. Now, if it's continuing where like Sting continues to just like be like the rub isn't going on Darby where like it should be because he's the one that's gonna be here the longer in AEW. Um, then you're gonna have a bit of an issue. But for one match, I'll let it, I'm okay with it, honestly. And plus, again, they brought the meme back, which I love. And anybody listening, could y'all let me know? Has Darby ever been a heel? I, I I don't know. I mean, I've only seen him presented as a face. But my real, my first idea of him, other than the documentary, I think it was on Vice about uh about like Gabe and uh. Uh, you know, independent wrestling. My experience with him is AEW as a face. And I think even on that show, he was a face. So I don't know. Has he ever been a heel? Uh, if anybody could, uh, uh, at AT Elite Pod, if you listen to the show and let me know, has he ever been a heel? I know I could Google it, but I let's get some fan interaction going on. And if I get a reply, I might hook you up with something. All right, cool. And that was AEW Dynamite for this week. We're going to quickly go through the preview for Rampage that will be airing today when you guys hear this episode. Um, And then, of course, the few matches that we have announced for Dynamite for next week. Um, Jade Cargill versus Marina Shafir for the TBS Championship will be taking place. Um, We're going to get a a match between Adam Cole and Tomohiro Ishii. I believe this is a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is a match that will be uh, for, uh, it's going to be a uh, uh, Bret Hart Foundation, I mean, uh, Owen Hart Foundation, sorry, Owen Hart Foundation match, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And then we're going to have Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer versus Serpentico, uh, we're going to have a quick interview with uh, Keith Lee and uh, Swerve Strickland and uh, an interview for the Women's Owen Cup as well. So that's Rampage for today. And if and correct me if I'm wrong, like the Ishii and Cole match is uh, a Owen Hart Foundation match, right? Am I correct in that, Floyd? Oh, dude, I was talking. I accidentally, my elbow slipped on mute. I, I said way more words than I'm about to. Uh, I heard Tomohiro Ishii. Yes, it is. It is an Owen Hart Foundation match. Yeah, yes. that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It is a uh, Owen Hart Foundation match, and uh, I hear it was the match of the night. I heard it was amazing, and then I heard Garcia and Kingston both killed it too. So those are I heard good things about both of those matches from my friends that were in the building. As stuff just falls off my wall and scares the shit out of me. Dude, I just jumped so hard. 
Whoops. <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but, of course, now listen, um, we're going to have, for Dynamite next week, we have announced Lance Archer versus Wardlow, of course. The Undisputed Elite will be in a five-on-five tag team match between a lot of people, oh, and yeah, I'm going to try to get... It's the Varsity Blondes, uh, Lee Moriarty. Uh, Lee Moriarty, uh, Brock is in it again, Brock Anderson, and Dante Martin. I mean, uh, or, or, yeah, Dante. Darius may be hurt again because they've been doing a lot of just Dante. Yeah, he might have gotten, which if he got hurt again, Dan, that sucks. Like, honestly. But, yeah, that's the five. I was trying to figure it out earlier. I was like, yeah, I know it's five guys, and the Varsity Blondes are two. Brock is one. And then, yeah, I just couldn't remember who the other two is. So those are the other two. Yeah. And then, of course, the big money match for Dynamite next week. FTR is clashing in the Owen Hart Foundation qualifying match. And, buddy, listen, I don't think Cash stands a chance because if it's an Owen Hart thing, if it's anything related to the Hart family, Dax is going to kill to win it. Let me let me tell you. Let me tell you something, brother. Dax is just more vocal about his love for Brett. Cash, I would say, loves Brett just as much. Dax is Dax is very much more vocal. Dax, I like. I've always said I like Dax because Dax is like me. He he love when he loves, like you know he you know it's on his sleeve. You know he carries it around. He has a bar dedicated to it. That man loves Bret Hart, and that man loves pro wrestling. He loves his family. I'm probably family first, then pro wrestling. Then the third would be Bret Hart, and he loves tequila. Dax, you know what Dax likes because he talks about what he likes and what he loves. And that's what I've always said I like about Dax is that he's me. You know, we carry what we love on us. So, um, but Cash, oh, my God, Cash is phenomenal. He's an amazing wrestler. Uh, I tell people, somebody's like, who you got? And I was like, I got both of them. You want both of them in there. Yeah, I love them equally. They somehow can pin each other, and then Tony says they're both in the tournament. I'll be fine with that. So I'll just be rooting for the match on that one. Uh, I, I, I I put out uh, – I told a message to JR while I was talking to him that uh, Tony Khan seemingly hates and loves me at the same time. <laughs> because he, he gives me – he gives me – the AEW, APW match. Well, he gives the world that. And then he says, hey, your two favorite people on Earth are going to fight each other. Huh? Yeah, the, the that's going to be unreal. The only other time I've been more conflicted is from when they jumped Cody. That, that was the yeah. only other time I've been this conflicted. So, oh, I, I think it's going to be a phenomenal match. I think it will be one of those dynamite match of the year candidates kind of thing. So... We'll see. I'm expecting something on the levels of back when the uh, CWC happened and we got Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa the first time when they were both baby faces and still in DIY. I'm expecting something like that. I'm thinking Brett versus Owen WrestleMania 10. because, Which, I mean, makes sense because you were alive when that, that happened and I wasn't. Yes, and they are the two biggest Hart fans ever. And if they came out and did that match spot for spot, I wouldn't be shocked at all. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all right just, well those are our that's why i love them they're fans and and if you look at oh yeah who i love in wrestling 
all my wrestling, all my favorites in wrestling grew up wrestling fans. And those are the people I root for because even though you might be from North Carolina or someone's from Scotland or grew up in the business, at some point we were just little kids looking up to our favorite guys. And that's something I can always identify with. Yeah, absolutely. But those are our previews for Rampage this upcoming day and um, Dynamite for next week. We have one thing we are going to talk about in terms of headlines, I believe. And the main thing is the fact that uh, Tony Khan had did an interview with TV Insider. And uh, the conversation on his uh, Army of Bots tweets came up where he talked about um, AEW, uh, anti-AEW accounts on Twitter being ran by um, just a few people and uh, the rest of them were just bots. Um, and uh, Tony has doubled down on that on those comments seemingly. Um, I have his full uh, quote from the question that he answered from TV Insider. I'll read the quote and then I'll go to Floyd first on his comments. I know we've talked about this slightly in the past, but we'll go through it again since it has been a hot button topic and a bit of a meme at this point. So Tony said, and I quote, what I've seen was a lot of anti-ADW accounts that are really focused on the things they don't like. A lot of those are legitimate things. Some of those points I'm trying to address. Some of them I don't agree with. But the point is a lot of these are the same people. There are a handful of accounts that are being run by a few people running a lot of accounts. Those are real people. A lot of their engagements, their retweets, likes, people responding, and signal boosting for what they are saying, those are bots. You've got a network of a few people with a lot of identities powered by a bunch of bots. I'm not making this up. I have hired IT experts that put together a much more sophisticated explanation than I am capable of giving. It's a real thing or I wouldn't have brought it up. I have a pretty good reputation in this business for honesty. So with that quote being said, pass it on to Floyd on his uh, seemingly doubling down of, yes, AEW, a lot of AEW hate accounts on Twitter are bots in his in, in Tony Khan's opinion. And this is going to be something that I say about Tony Khan a lot. 110% believable. 110% believe it's true. 110% didn't need to be tweeted. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what it is. It's just, you just look like a man whining. No matter what. I'm not, I like the information, right? I follow WrestleNomics. I read the reports on the ratings. Uh, I like the inner side of wrestling, right? I like it. And I believe them. That's great. But what purpose did this serve? Like, holy, what purpose did it serve? Even if it was true, like, at this point, like, why does this need to be said? Like, what does it matter? What purpose does it serve? What goal is this? It was obviously weighing on him. And he felt like he needed to say it. But it feels like this is a phone conversation you have with Dave Meltzer, you know, or it's somebody, you know, inside the wrestling business. And you tell them some things just don't need to be said on Twitter. And like I said, I love who Tony is. I love how he is. I love that he says stuff that other people don't say. We get an inside glimpse into how a professional wrestling company has run in ways that we never have with Tony Khan as a leader. So if you're asking me would I'd rather him be like this or completely shut off, I'm going to say be like this. 
and I will take the negatives that come with it. Because, like I said, I get a glimpse into what it takes to run a wrestling company. Not that I ever want to do that. But, it, you, know, the, you know, the person that loves the nerd in me likes to hear it. These things that you're breaking down, how you're deciding on cities, all that kind of stuff. So I, I do love that part. But on the other part, PR-wise, for people that don't care about this inside information, you just look like you're white. Yeah, and I'll 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 wrap it up a little bit too. Like I said, um, the whole the whole thing again just seems like something that like we like like I don't care. Like, and this is this isn't even talking just about people that hate AEW in general. This is about people that hate on AEW that tweet about it. Like, first off, we know like at the end of the day, people who tweet all the time are like a pretty heavy minority because like not everybody spends every waking moment on twitter like there are a lot of people that use twitter but not everybody uses every waking moment of their life on twitter so people that are always angry about aew it's not a massive majority it's not a massive majority in fact it's probably a pretty that's that's for any wrestling complainers honestly like if you complain about any wrestling company consistently like there's not a ton of people in the like as fans that do that all the time. Like I said, I barely tweet. Like I'll retweet a couple things and like tweet some things of my own, but like I barely tweet because I just I don't care. Um, so the fact that Tony is so hung up on this just it doesn't. It's just eh, like again, dude. Like honest to God, it's like I I I appreciate Tony for everything he's done for AEW and like the, the type of Booker that he is, the type that you can tell that he's a fan. But like my man. You don't have to tweet fucking everything. Like, if anything, like, I would like you to, like, this reminds me of when he got into, like, the bicker contest with one of the Jacksonville Jaguars players, like, a a couple years ago. I was just like, bro, get off of Twitter. Just get off. Like, I'm just saying, just get off for a minute. Like, tweet only things that you need to tweet. This is something you didn't need to tweet. Like, leave it alone. But, like I said, even, even, even if it's true, why does this matter? I'd rather him. I I mean, I'm honest. I'd rather him be this way than the other way. It's like I mean, I I would be the same. I I I can agree with that as well. But again, (laughs) like at the same time, I would prefer it if you were the way that you are, and then didn't do this. Yeah. Because no, and it's it just it just it it muddies up the conversation about wrestling again. Do and do the brilliant way, the brilliant PR way. Give all this information to a place like WrestleNomics. And let them report it. Give yes, the same instead of it just coming from you. Do you know how many times that the NFL, the NBA, all those things have information, and it'll look weird coming from them, so they leak it, and, <laughs> and they let it come from somewhere else. And I just think that that's the play here. When you have this information, give it to someone, and then let them report it. And then yeah. you don't look. You don't look like you. You just don't like criticism because that's what it comes down to. to that's the, what it to, looks like. Yes. Yeah. It looks like you don't like criticism. I love that he's giving all this information. I really do. And I honestly probably could have said, answered that. I always say it, the people that don't like uh, AEW are a very vocal minority. You know what I mean? Most people, if they don't like something, they just don't watch it. The people that watch it every week just to say how much they don't like it is a very vocal minority, and it's just, yes. I mean, and and and, it, and it, because of AEW, because of any brand, there is always in wrestling 
there is going to be the people that started covering the show first. You know, the podcast that popped up, the pundits that covered first. And generally, the people that were first are going to, you know, have their uh, loyal fan base. But there's also another group that rises. The people that just are anti the company. And they're and just want to see it fail. And they're going to have a fan base, too, because a lot of people like to listen to that stuff. I mean, I have very intelligent friends that I love that listen to Jim Cornette every week. And, Same. and it's just like and they listen because they find it entertaining when he goes off on stuff and you know that and it's kind dude of- i i'm sure i'm sure you've seen i'm sure you've seen from my twitter my good friend ryan who is a emmy award-winning broadcaster in local sports in the city of flint michigan like dude has done so much he's been a wrestling fan for decades and this dude hate watches aew and he hate watches it, and then he also has a vocal hatred for the AEW does nothing wrong crowd, and he takes it out on me, even though I actively have criticized AEW in the past, and he takes it out on me, and I'm just like, bro, like I love you, but you're smarter than this. And then he'll also be like, well, I'll debate you on my podcast, and then doesn't invite me on his podcast when we're supposed to do it. Yeah, because I we're very open. And it was funny, it was one day, as long as I've been doing the show, which is three years, and it's called All Things Elite, and the logo looks kind of like AEW, I had the thought that some AEW wrestler has probably listened to my podcast. <laughs> and I was like, our podcast. And I was like, huh, I wonder if someone doesn't like me because of something I've said on this podcast. I was like, I don't think, I'm like, I don't think we're like super large, but just, you know, just odds of we're, we're what, what show is this a hundred a hundred and uh, 148 show yeah somebody from AEW has thrown it on and listened to all what Floyd had to say about the company and I am 95% positive but when something sucks I'll say it sucks you know and it's just like because yeah. I, 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 I tend to be an honest person you know and it's like I'll play the game I play the game with Cody but yeah, it's just I don't know. I just know this. Yeah. I, I it, when you are a leader and you're in a leadership position, you do have to carry yourself like a leader. You don't get to be who you are all the time. And that's that's the situation Tony is the great thing about him is when you meet him and you know, you see him or whatever, and a few times he's just nice and he's energetic and everything's there. And it's just like he has this personality about him. But, you know, sometimes, you know, he he seems to be someone that can be get a little hot. And he's like, you know, you, you piss him off. He's going to say something about it. And, you know, maybe that's something to work. Oh, on, yeah. Or maybe that's something he never has to work on. And all I will say is that even though this is not this has been a bit, pretty bad look on Tony, it is still not as bad as when he went after Big Swole for pretty much no reason. <laughs> it, it, I don't think anything will top that. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Regardless, 
I think I think that little thing will leave everything off, but that'll do it for this episode of All Things Elite, I think. So I want to thank you guys so much once again for tuning in to the show every week. And again, please continue to download and share this fine podcast on Google or Apple Podcasts. Now, if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, again, share us with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. And you can follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. And the guys that make this show possible, please check out all the other podcasts they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will go ahead and toss it over to my man Floyd to take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. All right. Thank you for everyone that uh, makes sure they're listening and downloading the show and sharing it with their friends. Uh, We appreciate you, and it's been a great year. And I am looking forward to what we have uh, going forward. And just remember when it comes down to it, when it comes down to podcasts, why you choose this one, we are the only podcast that is at every AEW pay-per-view. Every big show they have, we're there. So just remember that. And... To all of you out there, I hope you are all doing well as we move into the spring and the summer. Make sure you're getting out, getting some sun, taking care of your mental health. Uh, it, it is just a great time to kind of be alive as a wrestling fan. And I hope you're enjoying it and you're sharing it with as many people as you can. And with that, I leave you with whether it is home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.